are listening to the Heights Church podcast. To learn more about the Heights Church, including our gathering times at Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia, visit us online at theheights.au or come and join us. Today's talk comes from Chris Eagles. Proverbs 12, 15 to 28. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There is deceit in the heart of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labour. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. In the way of righteousness, there is life. Uh, as Mark Along said, we are currently in a, a series at the moment uh, around the idea of wisdom, uh, particularly wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. We believe that uh, the Bible is God's word, that God is still speaking to us even today. And in the book of Proverbs, as Mark said, you find various sayings that are sometimes connected to each other and sometimes not connected to each other. It actually makes choosing a Bible reading uh, for a Proverbs um, sermon in interesting because I want to include 28, but 27 might weird people out. What's roasting game? What's that about? But these sayings, I think, this morning might give us a clue around the topic of choosing our friends carefully. And it's a very interesting topic, I think, if you're visiting today, uh, to come along and hear a sermon about choosing our friends carefully because I think no matter where you are in life, no matter um, where you are with Jesus, no matter what you believe about God, no matter how old you are, the idea of choosing your friends carefully is something that is always going to be a part of our life experience. It's always going to be a part of our week to week. The people that we place around us or the people who are forced upon us impact our life. It's the main sort of premise of my sermon this morning is that the people that are around us, the people that we choose to place around us, the people that we choose to place around us as friends is not a neutral action. It's not an action that has no impact on who we are, but actually it's one of the most uh, important choices that we make. And Proverbs tells us that the righteous choose their friends carefully. And I wonder this morning in your life whether you are somebody who chooses your friends carefully. We're going to go through a few verses in Proverbs and as we've been looking through this idea of uh, 
of wisdom, we've seen and Mark's explained about how it's not really one of those things where we can give you A, B, C and then off you go. You know how to make friends and, and be cautious about that because wisdom is applied case by case. We all have different life scenarios. So I hope this morning as I speak, uh, at least one of the things I say might speak into where you're at or some of the things going on um, in your life and might even spark further thoughts and conversations. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, again. God, it is a privilege for us to be here this morning to be a part um, of what Isaac and Emily have done today. And while there is nothing special in the water and while uh, they are no more holy than they were 20 minutes ago, I pray that you would uh, bless them for their decision, that you would um, confirm in their lives a sense of your calling upon them. And God, I pray this morning that they know that we are their friends and that we are here for them and we are here with them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a very old show now, but uh, there's an episode of the TV show Seinfeld where the whole premise of the episode is that Jerry meets a man who commits the great crime of being nice to him. He meets a man who makes the, uh, commits the great crime of wanting to become Jerry's friend. And that's all it is. And Jerry is sort of a man approaching perhaps middle age. He, he doesn't know how to handle this. We're going to watch a short clip this morning about how Jerry handles this idea of just a nice person trying to be his friend. Hey, Jerry, hey. are you a crazy guy? So, uh, Ramon, this is uh, my friend Elaine. Yeah, and, and I uh... was just leaving. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. So, uh, what are you doing around here, Ramon? Well, I was in the neighborhood. I figured I'd check you out. Uh, actually, I, I kind of had some things to do. Oh, yeah? Where, where, where are you going? Uh, just, you know, I don't know. Stuff I gotta do. Hey, that's cool. I'm, I'm up for some stuff. <laughs> Alright. Get this. I get down there, and right away I see the drain is clogged. It's obvious. Can you believe that? Alright, Ramon, I'm gonna get going. <laughs> uh, I think we should separate here, actually. What are you trying to say, Jerry? Look, Ramon, you're, you're a nice guy, but I, I actually only have three friends. I really can't handle anymore. Oh, I see. It's because I clean pools, right? That's nothing to do with it. As Jerry says, look, I've already got three friends. I don't know how I'm going to handle having any more. I must admit, when I first watched that, I was about 18, so I said, oh, you've got to watch Seinfeld. So I watched all Seinfeld. I saw that. I didn't really understand it at, when I was around the age of 18 because, of course, when you're sort of that age, often... You're thinking, three friends? I want 3,000 friends. I want as many people as possible to be my friend. But perhaps now, as I'm no longer 18, I, I understand the instinct of another person, another person in my life. There's going to be an image that's going to come up uh, on the screen here. Uh, it's going to have some circles on it. And I don't know how well you can see that. It doesn't really matter. But you'll understand the idea that in our lives... Uh, around us are uh, different circles of people at different, perhaps, levels of closeness and intimacy and friendship. And they put estimates on how many people you can handle, how many numbers of people that you can actually have uh, as friend. It's, of course, interesting that Jesus had 12 disciples, although I won't um, pull on that thread too much this morning. But there is an idea that actually... 
you can't be friends with every person in the world. It's not possible. Uh, if you are 18 or 19 or 20 and you're very extroverted, you're perhaps thinking, well, I'm going to prove you wrong, Chris. But let me tell you, it's actually impossible. We do, uh, in some ways in our life, no matter what, we have to choose our friends carefully. And so before I go into some just four quick ideas in Proverbs um, that might provoke us and prompt us on how to do that well, I want to just speak quickly of two things that choosing your friends carefully is not. Choosing our friends carefully is not dismissive arrogance. I think some people are more than happy to run with the idea of choosing our friends carefully because they consider their friends as some sort of exclusive group and can't wait to exclude people out of it. Can't wait to sit somebody down and say, look, I've already got three friends, you're not going to make the cut. Choosing our friends carefully is not something that happens with a posture of arrogance or dismissiveness or I'm better than you. And the other thing that choosing our friends carefully is not is uh, foolish closed-mindedness. And what I mean by that is choosing our friends carefully doesn't mean that we shut the gate. Choosing our friends carefully is not something that we do once and then it's sorted forever because I think when we do that and we make that mistake, we're missing out on something new. And perhaps we're missing out on something new that God is wanting to do in our life. That God is placing a person uh, before us that, okay, maybe we weren't expecting it, maybe we don't know if we have the room for that friendship. But to be closed-minded to perhaps what God wants to do, might be wanting to do in our lives is not something good. We know we see in the parable uh, of the Good Samaritan that the religious people that Jesus slams... He slams them because they don't have time for the person who is injured on the side of the road. Now that's talking about who is your neighbour, a slightly different idea, but I wonder who God is placing before you. So as I go through these things, don't sort of get it carried away with the idea that you're being careful about who your friends are is, is about you being on the throne and who you allow to go up the steps to uh, come and see you. All right, so... We're going to look at four quick things that I think we find in the book of Proverbs, and there's probably 40 things in the book of Proverbs. Um, I'm a merciful preacher this morning. I've chosen just four quick ones. Four questions, I think, that we can ask ourselves when we attempt to choose friends carefully. And the first question, I think, that we can ask ourselves is... Where do our friends lead us? If somebody is to be in your inner inner circle or close to you or an important person in your life, where do they lead you? Where do they take you? Proverbs uh, chapter 4, 14 to 17 says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your own way. That idea of not setting foot even on the path of the wicked, not even setting foot on that path of where the wicked tread and where the wicked go, that some people will walk down paths that you need to not even go near. And so if you are friends with somebody and they're leading you into places or they're leading you into choices or they're leading you into whatever... 
a fair question to ask ourselves is, where is that person taking me? In my life and in the person I'm becoming, but even almost literally, physically, what are the rooms, what are the parties, what are the places that they physically take me to? Are they good for me? Are they a good circle of influence in my life? What choices do they lead me into, good ones or not, is a good question to ask when we consider about choosing friends carefully. And a second question that we can ask is, what do they teach me? When you consider who your friends are, you might ask, well, what, what are they teaching me? Proverbs tells us uh, to walk with the wise. In fact, it says it is a characteristic of the wise that they try and walk with the wise. Something that somebody uh, told me when I was a young person was, don't be the smartest person you know. And what that meant is not just about intelligence, but also uh, don't, be, don't be the kindest person that you know. Don't be uh, the wisest person that you know. Don't be the person in your experience that loves Jesus the most. In fact, have a people around you where you think they love Jesus way more than me because when you surround yourselves with people that do that, that will be a good influence on us. Mark shared a couple of weeks ago around when he was introducing the idea of wisdom, that wisdom isn't this thing that we one day attain when we turn, I don't know, 50, 60, I don't know. That wisdom isn't like that. But in fact, the characteristic of the wise is that they are always learning. They are always seeking to be growing. It's a lifelong disposition to have people around us that are influencing us towards good things. And so in your life, I wonder, do you have people around you who are teaching you? Either through their words, but sometimes I think more powerfully through the example of the way that they live their lives life? Do you have people around you who are good influencers? And this is where I think uh, churches especially, but even individually in our life, having a multi-generational aspect to the relationships that we have is so important. It's important to have a variety of personalities in our life, it's important to have a variety um, of different things that gravitate us to different people, but that multi-generational aspect is also important. To have people that are 10 years older than us, walking with Jesus, who are doing good things, 20 years older, 30 years older, to sort of drag us in a good direction through their words, but also through the example of their life. Not to say uh, that you can only learn from those whom are older than you, of course. And so a third question that we perhaps can ask when we consider if somebody is a friend to have in our life, is do they speak truth to you? And do they speak truth into your life? So in Proverbs uh, 12, we had it read that an honest witness tells the truth, a false witness tells lies. And another verse in Proverbs in chapter 27, it's a good one, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. And so when I say uh, 
is the person, do they tell you the truth? It's saying, are they somebody who's honest with you? Do they, are they not deceptive with you? But also, are they able to call you out when you need it? Are they able to push you towards realizing your blind spots? Are they able to push you towards becoming everything that God made you to be? That we need people in our life that tell us the truth. We need people in our life who, as we heard before, tell it as it is. And so in our life, we must be thinking about choosing friends. Do we have friends who do that? Push us on, call us out, expose blind spots. And fourth of all, and and the last question that I think we can ask uh, is, does this person speak life into you? And this one is very much connected to the one before it. Because we should be asking the question, is this person somebody who is filled with kindness and grace? Are they full of grace towards us? Do they, do they treat us uh, well? Do they bring us up? Do they have hope and optimism for our lives and for our future? Are they somebody that says, you know what, you can be anything. You can do it. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Does this person encourage you? Do they highlight the good in you? Or do they instead bring you down, emphasize and exaggerate your flaws, tell you, no, I don't think you can do that. No, you'll never be able to do that. You are X or Y or Z. And the words of the reckless pierce like swords, Proverbs tell us. And I think we all know that experience. I think nearly everyone in this room could probably call to mind something that someone once said to us or about us that stung. And it stung and it stayed. They say that it takes 10, 20, 30, 40 good things to be said about us to even come close to countering that one thing that somebody said to us or about us. I think many of us in this room would also know the experience, especially of uh, when it's your parent who has done that, that those words can shape you and mould you in positive or negative ways. But we're told also that the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so in our life... We need friends who speak truth to us, that call us out, but are also able to speak life to us, that both of those things should happen often together. Realistically, your friends should be able to do both because if the people that you place around us are just truth, truth, truth and no life, well, that's just going to leave us wounded, despondent, down on ourselves, But also, if our friends are always just speaking life, life, life and positivity and optimism, it becomes flattery. It leads us into complacency and and being too comfortable. Truth without life too often will lead us bleeding and life without truth will just flatter us into complacency. Tim Keller says, I think we're going to, 
that words can wound but also heal. The tongue can be soothing and a tree of life. Most of us can remember years later the words said by a friend or a teacher that turned on a light or that implanted new ideas that we never forgot. And so as we consider those four questions around the people that we place in those inner circles in our life, I wonder, are you somebody that chooses your friends carefully? There's a category of people in our life that they call friends of convenience, and it's not a negative term. But a friend of convenience is somebody who is physically around you often. You work with them. You see them at school. I think there's no other stage in life as much as when you're at school to have these friends of convenience. They're called friends of convenience because you don't have to change anything to see them constantly. You go about your day-to-day, you turn up at school, you turn up at work, you turn up at church, and there they are. And over time, a bond is formed. Sometimes good, sometimes not. Something I spoke to our youth about on Friday night is that thing that is so much easier to say than to do is when those people who are physically around us often aren't doing the things that I've spoken about this morning, that they are speaking only death into us, that maybe they flatter us as well, that maybe they lead us into bad places, maybe they besmirch our reputation, maybe they aren't a good influence on us. What do we do when the people we see most often aren't people that we want in our inner circle? And so there's a, there's a difference between those who are physically close to us and those who in our heart are the voices we want to listen to the most. I do this exercise, you can do it around you, but you can also just do a circle on your heart and when somebody is bringing you down or when somebody isn't somebody who's close to you, you might remind yourself, no, they're not in that inner circle. They're not my spouse, they're not my close friend, they're not the voice that I actually respect the most. That's a challenge, I think, for all of us, but especially for our young people at school when they're in scenarios when there are people around them who aren't perhaps ones who they want to carefully choose as their friends. And so, I wonder in your life, do you choose your friends carefully? Do you choose the people around you carefully? And do you choose intentionally those people in the, in the inner circle in your heart carefully? But also, how about we flip it around this morning? Are you the kind of friend that a carefully righteous person would choose to have in their life? Where do you lead your friends? Where do you take the people in your life? What do you teach them, either through your words or through your actions? Do you speak truth and do you speak life into your friends and the people that you know? Friends are a crucially important part of our life. They're not neutral. The closest to us will influence the kind of person that we are and the person that we will become. And it's why the Bible tells us as a church to continue to meet together. It's not that you have to go to church to be a Christian. No, being a Christian is a free gift by the grace of God that we uh, have through faith in Jesus Christ. But also there's verses like in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25, where 
the church is encouraged. It says, let us consider how we, the church, may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we can do two things with that verse. One, we could use it to hit people over the head because they don't come to church as often as we do. Let's not do that. That's not, that's not what that verse is telling us to do. But I think perhaps we as the church, as the Heights Church, we should be challenged about whether we are a community that is doing that, is spurring people on, and is a community that is worth being a friend in people's lives. Are we speaking life into people? Are we speaking truth into people? Are we leading people to good choices in their life? Are we pushing them to be everything that God created them to be? Are we lifting them up? Are we spurring them on? Or are we dragging them down? And ultimately, we as the church, as we all as individuals, fall short of being the perfect friend. And if we determine this morning that the outcome that we go away with is, well, I'm only going to let people that perfectly meet all of that criteria into my inner circle, well, there's no one is going to make it in there. We all fall short. You fall short, I fall short. No one will be let in because anyone that is let in will disappoint us. We must also, I think, be willing to show grace and patience to those in our lives and we know that also God in His mercy provides to us another friend who has never and will never let us down. That our friendship with God was once broken and perhaps in your life you've never had that idea that God is my friend, that there is a connection there, that God is a being who I know and who knows me. But the Bible tells us that God so loved us, that God so loved you, that He extends and uh, He extended, and He still, even this morning, extends His hand of friendship to you. And He did so most fully by sending His one and only Son. That God didn't just love us from a distance and go, Yeah, I want you to be my friend, but let me know if you sort it out first. But no, He came to us, He gave to us. He sacrificed of himself and said, I know you've fallen short, I know you're not perfect, but let's be friends. And he says that even this morning. One of the cool things about baptism, I think, is it's not saying that this is the first time that Jesus is my friend, but it's almost like when you make friends with someone and you're not sure if you really want everybody else to know that you've become friends with that person, but eventually you get over it and you go, you know what, that person's my friend and I don't care if anyone knows it. Baptism in a small way is that. Jesus is my friend and I don't care who knows it. And this morning, despite our flaws, God desires our relationship. He desires our friendship. He desires us to return to Him, to know Him and to meet His love and His kindness and His grace. Proverbs 12:28, the last verse that Kim read for us, the way of righteousness is to place our faith in Jesus and receive the relationship that God offers. And Proverbs doesn't speak about the person of Jesus, but it says in the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. And so this morning I want to encourage you, I want to speak life into you, not from myself, but for you to know that God reaches out to you, that Jesus did 
come to this earth and that God did demonstrate that he wants you to be his friend. And he did so by sacrificing himself. I didn't hear all of the things about what makes a good friend, but willing to sacrifice for others is perhaps something that came up in your conversations. A willingness to place others above themselves. Jesus did that. The king of heaven stepped down and was willing to place others above himself. And he said in John chapter 15, verse 13, just before he went to die on the cross, he said to his close followers this, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one friend. Or in the NLT it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. God didn't just talk a big game, he did it. And Jesus on the cross did that for you, and he did that for me. Let's pray. Lord, help us uh, in all areas of our life, but this morning as we just consider this topic of friendship, about how we might be wise. Help us this morning uh, to make wise decisions in terms of the people that we place around us. Help us to be humble as we do that, to show discretion, to also self-reflect about the sort of friend and person we are. And this morning, I just collectively, we just um, we want to say to you, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you reached out to us, your hand of friendship. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the love that you have for us that you laid down your life for us. May that mean something to us this morning and may it inspire us also in terms of the friends that we might choose and the friends we might be. And we pray in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen.